everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and today I have with me my loving, charming, beautiful, and awesome co-host, Deborah Micus. Hello. And today we have with us Mac and Noodles Food Truck and the owner and founder, David Sevchek. How are you doing today, David? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself and how people can find your food truck. So I uh, moved to Colorado about five years ago, um, started a food truck. I started at DeVita in their HR department, then always had this dream of owning a restaurant. Um, and the uh, Dunkin' Donuts and other big chains didn't want to talk to me as a recent college grad with no experience. So uh, the food truck was the best way to go. The best way you can find us is www.macandnoodles.com. We have our whole menu and uh, schedule there. The schedule, you just click on the Mac Tracker tab, and it brings it up, date, time, location. And so we want to be really accessible. We don't always post our locations on Facebook, um, but if you're lucky enough on that day, we do post. So. I love the Mac Tracker button. I thought that was a clever name. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. You're getting creative with your whole uh, theme there. Yeah, we're just trying to tie it all in together and make it you know, one continuity thing and and keep it going and and stay with what we do and so did you always have interest in food and food trucks and how did that all come about i mean you just jumped right in and yeah so my dad's a lawyer um i'm from iowa and that just looked terrible to me (laughs) so i had no interest in doing that but i had two uncles who own uh different chains uh called the pizza ranch in iowa um, there are franchises of that. There's one in Fort Collins here. They're not involved with that. Um, but between the two of them, they own 13, 14, 15 of them. And then recently, uh, my other, one of them bought into Moe's Southwestern Mex. Um, and so he owns a chains in Wisconsin and starting in Iowa. And so just watching them, you know, seeing what they could do with their kids on the weekends with youth soccer, I thought it looked fun. And um, I thought it looked easy, but I saw them 10 years down the road rather than the first two years. So I've had a lot different experience than I thought I would. Um, but that's kind of what got me wanting to be into food and, and thinking it was fun. And, uh, with the food truck, I actually didn't want a food truck, uh, but it's been like the best thing that's ever happened. Cause you know, when you're 23 and fresh out of school, nobody wants to give you a quarter million dollar loan, uh, but <laughs> <True>. <laughs> you know, if you can, you know, pull together, you know, 30 to 40, um, you know, when you're 25, then you can start the food truck. And so that's kind of how I started with the food truck. Cause I couldn't stand corporate America anymore. So do you have a culinary background? I do not. I have a restaurant management degree from Iowa State University, uh, but I am not involved in culinary at all. Um, you know, I've learned a lot. Um, I learned in my first year when I asked one of the guys at the yard when my cheese sauce was kind of bland what I could do, and they said add salt, and I said, what's that going to do? So uh, I've learned a lot, but I, I'm not from the culinary background. I've never been a cook, never been a chef. Um, and I don't pretend to be, but you know, you find the right people to help you and, um, you can learn a lot. Okay. So where do you get all of your delicious recipes? Because I was strolling through your menu and there's some pretty delicious items on there. So is that your own taste bud or? Uh, so, I mean, they've, they've all changed over time. Uh, when we first started the classic was the two cheese. Um, and then we changed it into the four cheese by adding provolone mozzarella and uh, we actually all added Parmesan as well. So I guess we started with just one cheese, a sharp cheddar. Um, and it was just kind of thinking when, you know, three and a half years ago, what would work and came up with a buffalo chicken, a Philly cheesesteak, a bacon cheeseburger, um, and the classic, which was, I guess, a ch- sharp cheddar cheese at the time. And kind of just figuring out, you know, looking at different pizzas and feeling like if it can go on a pizza, it can go on a mac and cheese. And then, you know, I make it, I sample it, and I eat way more mac and cheese than I ever want to do in my life. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I made some for my uncles, and with the bacon cheeseburger, they were like, well, if you had chorizo instead of hamburger, you know, the chorizo has a flavor in a cheese sauce, whereas ground beef doesn't. So, you know, slowly over time, and then I got lucky uh, two years ago when we hired... Um, a guy who came back, and he was a chef in the Hamptons for um, the Ralph Lauren family and other families like that. And he kind of took it upon himself to create the carnitas and show us how to make that. Um, and then how to do the Philly cheesesteak mac and cheese better and how to saute vegetables. Um, and then, you know, recently the guys in the truck, they started throwing, you know, tomatoes in the bacon cheeseburger. And it, I was like, wow, that's a full flavor. That's way better than it was. So it kind of just keeps evolving over time. And it was never one exact right from the start but with time it all came together so which is your favorite item 
I, I, I alternate. I like our truffle mac and cheese. Mm. Um, and then, but the normal ones, that's kind of our specialty for the winter. Uh, I either go between our carnitas and our buffalo chicken. Um, and I, I just like the gorgonzola blue cheese on top. And the carnitas, I think, you know, with, uh, we season with limes and oranges and garlic and uh, green onions. Uh, I, I like it more than most Mexican food restaurants. So those are the kind of the two I, I stick to. Well, I think a couple points I want to touch on is definitely one is Deborah was looking at the menu last night and she was drooling while we were sitting in bed last <laughs> night true. as she was going through it the menu. Happy. And she was getting very excited to, about the mac and cheese. I was and hoping you were going to bring the truck. Yeah, you <laughs> I was like, think you'll have the truck? <laughs> yeah, it just cooked just for us for this event. <laughs> the three of us. And the second part is is the open-mindedness to adjust the recipes. Because I think uh, a lot of chefs who are, start off as chefs and then get into the business, they're so strict on their recipes and everyone follow them that they don't aren't willing and don't listen to the adjustments people want to make to them. So I think you have a huge advantage there in that your open-mindedness and letting it sort of evolve as necessary and become staples. I think that's amazing. So I want to give props out to that for sure. Um, the other part is, is how, why mac and cheese? Was it, I mean, we, it's people start food trucks all the time and sort of go different directions. And we've heard some various ones on this show. Um, but how, why mac and cheese? Uh, so mac and cheese, uh, believe it or not, I actually didn't like mac and cheese growing up. It was my <laughs> second younger brother's favorite food, and he always ate it all, and I would just rather have anything else. Um, but I was uh, working an event up uh, for a hydration company in Copper Mountain, and there was a restaurant at the base called Copper's Red Hot. And I walked in there, and they had hot dogs, brats, burgers, and they had four different flavors of mac and cheese on their menu. Um, and so for whatever reason, I decided to order the mac and cheese, even though I'd really rather had the brat or the hamburger. Um, but I got it and, and it was all right. It wasn't anything special. I mean, it didn't click at the moment, but you know, I had, I was always looking for what food concept it was going to be. You know, I, I was trying to like, uh, make dill pickle flavored ranch dressing at home to try and sell at farmer's markets, but I couldn't get the buttermilk to work out cause I don't, wasn't a great cook. Um, <laughs> and so you know, then about two weeks later after that event, I was sitting there and I was like, hey, if Chipotle can take the burrito out of the Mexican restaurant and make a whole standalone concept out of that, why can't someone take mac and cheese out of any restaurant? It's one of the most popular foods in America and uh, turn that into a whole restaurant. And that's kind of my, my thought process. And, you know, then I asked a couple of people what they thought and they said, oh, yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I asked some other people and they're like, you know, you don't know how to cook. It'll never work. Um, and uh, we just kind of kept making it. I spent three months doing the cheese sauce, you know, different milk, flour, um, spices until we kind of came up with one. And, um, so it was kind of just, uh, you know, trial and error, you know, the dill pickle flavor ranch didn't work out, but then, uh, for whatever reason, I got a cheese sauce that didn't taste terrible by the like fifth time I made it. And I was like, I think I'm onto something. And so that's kind of how it all came down to Mac and cheese. I think it's, you know, it's interesting. You hear lots, lots of entrepreneurs talk about the naysayers in the beginning, and it sounds like you had some of those as well. And, you know, your determination to be successful and be your own boss is always an interesting, you know, scenario because it takes a lot more than people think. And like you even said, you saw the lifestyle of your uncles and you were looking at them 10 years down the road, but you had a vision and you wanted to go after it. So is it fair to say that you started this more as a businessman? You saw a lifestyle, you saw, cause it's not a culinary, it's not a love of mac and cheese. So is it the lifestyle that you ultimately were like, I see this as working for me? Yeah. I mean, I just, I always want to be different. You know, I had that same dream. Probably a lot of kids have growing up to be in the NBA. Um, <laughs> being five foot four and as a sophomore in high school, I got cut pretty fast and it didn't really work. Um, so I, you know, I just always thought, you know, my dream was to never sit behind a computer. My dream is never to, you know, do what everyone else does. And, and that's why, you know, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to go create something that can, you know, buy my freedom. Cause you can always have a lot of things in life, but you can never have more time. So Valid, totally valid. Uh, we had a food truck on here, um, the running latte uh, out of Atlanta. One of the things he said was what we do as entrepreneurs is we'd rather work 80 hours for ourselves than 40 hours for someone else as food entrepreneurs because there there seems to be more freedom in it and, and schedule and reward for your time. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there was 
a four-day period back when I first started where I slept uh, six, seven hours over four days because we were working an event. Um, I never want to do it again, but I wouldn't change it because, you know, it's easier to work 18 hours a day for yourself than it was ever easier to sit at eight hours in corporate America at a desk. Great. You mentioned earlier um, about some of the guys on the truck and different people who have contributed to your recipes and stuff. So do you have employees and how many? And Yeah, so I got uh, two full-timers right now. Um, they're awesome. Uh, one of them, you know, he was just scrolling through Craigslist, found me, um, and, uh, you know, he, he cares more about quality and product than anything else. And um, then I have another guy. Uh, Jesse and he's I mean just as as great he's a people person he's unbelievable you know he's uh, two people you can trust and um, I like to think I have a benefit that a lot of people don't have in the in the food world Um, I like to think I just have amazing amazing people who would do anything for me Um, and they're they're both great they both you know have experience in a kitchen but they're not chefs themselves either Um, and so it's kind of it kind of just works out because you know they all they all try hard they work hard and um, you can trust them and they'll do anything to to help the business grow so how have you divided out roles for everyone i mean it sounds like you all take turns on the truck and maybe even simultaneously but yeah um you know we all have we all have different strengths um jesse is an amazing people person you know he can also cook um brandon's probably a faster cook so more often than not brandon probably cooks um and jesse or i'll run the window we usually have one or two of us on the at a time like jesse was able to go down to 105 west brewing in castle rock last night by himself um, and work the whole night um and he did the best we've ever done on a solo food truck night so wow you know i mean he's someone that wouldn't say my best cook but i'd say you know when we go to festivals he's the one who you know talks with the festival works with their point of sale system and then teaches me and everyone else how to do it um so kind of you know just let everyone focus on their strengths what they want to do um never really have any pressure but everyone at the same time knows how to do the other jobs um and so i guess keep them cross-trained and uh then you know kind of when it's busy, everybody knows the roles, and when it's not busy, everyone can still do everything, too. Yeah, Jesse's going to come in in the morning after hearing this podcast and say, challenge accepted. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Keep a little healthy competition. And so um, we talked about, so is your family, I, obviously you talked about your uncles and they own franchises. So does your family come from an entrepreneurial background and uh, and? in general is it or is it just something that started with your uncles and you took curiosity in it because i think we see a lot on this show that there is a lot of family influence in the entrepreneurs that we we have on the show um so uh growing up my dad's side wasn't in town but my mom and all of her siblings were in town on my mom's side i just i know their work history a lot better uh so her dad my grandpa he started his own publishing agency um and so you know, my mom tells me his thing was to always give his children something, you know, to, to help them out. Um, and so, you know, starting his own publishing agency, he was the one who, you know, had my uncles thinking. And so then they both um, started franchises and uh, started working for themselves. My dad, uh, he works for, he's his own lawyer right now. So I guess, you know, he sets his own schedule, but um, he started at the public defender's office and, and places like that. Um, and so, you know, I just I, I always grew up seeing the family that was in town kind of setting their own schedule, working for themselves. So it probably did play a big role in, in the fact that, you know, I never saw anything else other than just them doing what they want. And, you know, they, you know, maybe work late at night, but then that gave them the ability to go to a soccer tournament on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. I mean, I grew up, my father, I saw him in the corporate world until I was about 18 years old. And then I saw him go out on his own and the difference in the lifestyle and his happiness and flexibility in life and in my family, that's a big deal. And I know Deborah grew up in an entrepreneurial family as well, both her mother and her father. And obviously my mother, uh, I grew up on a horse farm, so, uh, and she ran a horse business, uh, still does. So I saw that, but the influence in the work ethic that we all learn, I think from it and willingness to do it, I think is a really important. So with that being said, how long have you done the Mac and noodles food truck? So the first day of the food truck was May 24th, 2016. 
so coming up on almost three years here um and so that was you know i told my boss at the law firm i was working at the current time i was like you know they gave me the option to come back on you know work like overnight or you know my job wasn't structured to a time um and so i was like okay you know i appreciate it i'll probably come in and put some time in until uh i don't you know i don't need it um i actually never came back except for two weeks later to hand him the key card and never went back so that probably may 24th was the first time i actually quit and just took it out and went for it did you start doing it as a part-time thing and then ultimately on that date was when it was full-time or did you just go from having a job to not having a job and doing this yeah just having a job to may 24th we took it out for the first time and i said that's it i'm i'm not coming back yeah the leap of faith Leap of faith. And one uh, the other thing that there's a huge pattern that we've been seeing, and you know, I didn't realize it until we started doing this show, is um, when people have to, when they make the jump and they have to do the business and they've invested in a food truck or in a restaurant or in a product line, and they make that jump, that position of, I have to do this now, I don't have a choice, I have to make this work does something i I, I, i'm missing the word i want to use but it almost puts you in a position where you have to be resilient you have to learn on the fly you start you spend all your time doing it because you have to make it succeed because what other choice do you have at that point um and thinking that way is important but the tenacity and the resilience then to get things moving. And I want to point on it because we talked about it a little bit before we started the podcast. And I want to talk about it is that you're about to launch your second truck. So we're talking almost three years. You're, you you went all in right away and now you're almost at your third, third food truck. I mean, sorry, second food truck in three years. Correct. Yep. So let's talk about how did you decide you were going to go for a second food truck what decisions, how much, how is there a lot of events that you have that you need to, and, and sort of let's talk about your, your future with that. Yeah, so I um, I want to be bigger than a food truck. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I got an amazing team, amazing staff, but I think none of us are satisfied with what we have now. You know, you want more, so you're not working your whole life. Um, you know, something to sit back on. And I'm always afraid, you know, if I don't keep this moving forward, I'm going to lose good people and you know um who are willing to help me build my dream which is something that i don't take for granted um and so last year you know we were about two and a half years in and we get we were just having so many leads and i was turning so many jobs down and so many opportunities down and i don't like telling anyone no so uh it was like you know what can we do to stop that um and while the brick and mortar is always a goal um you know just the capital that it takes to do that wasn't necessarily feasible at the time, but a second food truck was. And so if we could get a second food truck built before, you know, April hits when you really start getting busy, um, I thought it was like we could capitalize on a whole nother summer, double the revenue, you know, hire some more people, get them trained up. So then we have more staff to rely on. Um, and at that point, then we can, you know, use all the contacts because I save everyone's email who emails me out and then I email them back the next year. And, uh, and so it keeps us, you know, doing the same ones we want to do, but also the new ones coming in on top of those, it, it just keeps us going to the point where, you know, we had a lot of weekends that were already guaranteed booked every year with through, you know, like pumpkin fest or, um, other city events, uh, that we couldn't do private caterings. And so I just thought, you know, let's build a second food truck. And then the debate was, do we do a new concept? Do we do a same concept? Uh, but you know, we got something that works right now. So we didn't want to try and take two and a half years to learn a new concept. So we just decided to do the same thing. Yeah. We actually had a gentleman on the show that, that he had two food trucks and the one concept did so well, he actually changed both of them to the same concept. So with this success, I think that's a good idea and, and branching out too soon is probably not the best, especially if you have a concept that's working for sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you choose these events or or how you find them. And I mean, you've come such a long way in, in, in three years, honestly, as a, a food business, uh, in my opinion, and being in the food business as long as I have. So how do you find events? Do Is it mostly people reaching out to you? Is it through friends that you're at your commissary with? And, and how does that work? So I, I find most of my events uh, probably by myself at this point. When I first started out, I was using other people to find them. Um, but now I kind of source a lot of them. I've kind of found there's three places 
we never lose money, um, cities, schools, and churches. And so if you can get in with those groups, uh, you know, we found a lot of success. And I got the school's idea from Dave, who owns Kona Ice down here in Highlands Ranch. Um, and he just said, you know, PTOs. And so I went on to the school events, you know, to all Douglas County schools. And I went elementary schools and then middle schools and high schools. And I went to each of their pages and I took their principal or their activities director and I got their email address and then I sent out an email. Um, and then, you know, obviously it didn't work off the spot, but six months later they're like, Hey, we kept this email. And so, you know, it kind of built that way. And then city events, um, you know, like I guess botanical gardens, pumpkin fest, I keep talking about, you know, we go there and when you get put in front of these large groups, you know, there's thousands of people there and you're serving a couple hundred people a day. Um, you know, that's a lot of people that see you. That's a lot of people that experience you. And I feel like every one of those big events brings more catering opportunities from it. You know, that's how we got into the city of Thornton's events because their event director was down at the Botanical Gardens. And from there, you know, then we got into Westminster or you do a good job for an HOA, like the backcountry neighborhood. And next thing I know, we're doing the Anthem neighborhood up in Broomfield. Um, and so it kind of, you know, you just through making people happy and being responsive and, um, and now we kind of just have a, you know, a footing that we get enough leads. It just kind of keeps itself going. Yeah. So on an average, like how many days a week do you guys have the truck out? I, I try and run seven days a week. Wow. Uh, ideally, if I could, I do lunch and dinner seven days a week. Today's one of those times where we just don't have a lunch. Um, so, you know, it worked out to be on the podcast and, um, but I, I try and run seven days a week, whether that means going out and reserving meters downtown Denver. You know, it's kind of, in my opinion, a waste of time. It's a hassle to deal with the city um, for meters when people illegally park down there. Um, but, you know, when, when we do that, and that's how we first started, we met a property manager, and she started bringing us to her corporate office buildings. And from there, you know, she had friends, and like, oh, these, my office likes these people. So her friends then reach out to us. And so, you know, I feel my philosophy is, you know, every day we're out, even if we only serve three, four people, you know, it's not a waste because you never know what those three, four people will do later on. Um, you had mentioned how the ultimate goal is bricks and mortar. Is So is that what you're hoping that through the second truck that you'll be able to build that dream? And then would you continue with the two trucks or like what's that future look like? It sounds like you have ideas in your head. Yeah, my uh, my thought right now is, you know, we have two trucks. If it can work this summer, like I hope it does, you know, then we can get a restaurant. Um, then we can run the two trucks out of the restaurant. I don't ever really want to shut down the food trucks because um, I've learned, one, they're a lot of fun. They take you to a lot of places you would never personally go yourself. You meet a lot of cool people through it. Um, but, you know, they kind of shown that they can create a revenue and gen- generate profit. So, I would never want to close that avenue down, but I would want to open up more restaurants. And in my head, what I see is every restaurant has a food truck to go to the schools, the churches, the city events in the neighborhood or their or their town, whether that's you know my hometown of Cedar Falls, Iowa, whether that's Denver, whether that's Aurora, Highlands Ranch, wherever that might be, but a food truck attached to each restaurant so you can kind of get that catering. Um, because there's something special about going to like, you know, birthday parties and, you know, you see the kids for their the excitement on their face and, you know, they want run up and they're like, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. Um, and that's, you know, a cool opportunity you can do with a food truck that, you know, you never get out of the restaurant. You can bring it to them more than just dropping it off in a box um, and, you know, walk away. I think that's great because um, at Food Service Partners, we used to have a subsidi- a few subsidiaries actually in the construction world and we used to design and and build and supply restaurant equipment for restaurants. Uh, we are no longer in that business, but what we saw was uh, with food trucks, people were able to identify good geographical areas to put their bricks and mortars because the food truck magnetized a certain area um, with a certain group of people and they could build their brick and mortar. And then they already had a customer base there that knew their food truck, thus would know their restaurant and made it part of their staple with their family to go visit the the restaurant as well and then they already had presence in the community which is a huge plus so i I think that's great and i definitely think that you know you get the data through the food truck the data the food trucks tell you where to go you know and it's sort of that thing it's not build it and they will come it's sort of take the food truck, see where it's attracted to, and then build your bricks and mortar there, and at least to start off with. 
And uh, so another question as we talk about that, do you find working in Denver, the food truck atmosphere, I mean, Denver seems to be one of those cities that really has quite a bit of food trucks and a lot of opportunities for them. Yeah. Um, so Mayor Michael Hansen might hate me for this. I try and stay out of Denver, actually, um, with my concept. You know, I know Denver, you got Rhino, which is kind of trendy. Uh, you know, the trendy people, they like tacos and, and stuff like that and street tacos. Uh, I find a lot more success in the suburbs. So I kind of try and stick out to the suburbs, whether that's Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, uh, Broomfield, Westminster. So I kind of, you know, have Denver and I, you know, I do school events in Denver. But as far as going on a regular rotation, I try and stay more to the suburbs with families um, where I just, I found a lot more success in, you know, downtown. So that being said, tell us some of the events you're at, just so the the people that listen to the podcast can find you at those events that you have planned for the spring. Uh, because I want to make sure we people know where to get your product and your mac and cheese because it sounds ridiculous. So yeah, so uh, May nineteenth, we're at the Castle, Castle Rock. Um, it's a spring event, their spring welcoming event. So that'll be downtown Castle Rock from I think four to eight p.m. Uh, we're at uh, the Tech Center a lot for lunches. We will be doing, um, well, we did Grand Doozy last year. We'll be doing all the events with uh, Denver Botanical Gardens at Chatfield Farms. We are going to be at um, different high schools for their wish weeks with Rappel High School coming up. We'll be at Frozen Dead Guy Days in Netherlands. We'll be at Cimarron Middle School on um, March 8th. Uh, in April, um, we'll be at Mullen High School the, on um, Easter. So, in and pretty much all the big city events. So, the Fourth of July, we'll be at Westminster City Fourth of July event. We'll be at Thornton's City event. We'll be at Thornton Fest. We have um, the food truck carnival through the city of North Glen coming up. We'll be there, and uh, so a lot of a lot of the big city events. Um, and then, as far as Denver goes, we do their light the light ceremony every year on the black friday so you're mentioning lots of special events and uh, but do you have any mainstay places like at a certain i don't know bar or something that you do after you know when they let out or is there like a same thing you do every week that's a constant for you or it's literally always special events and it changes week by week for everything uh, so we are at Metro Point, 4600 South Ulster Street, uh, in the Tech Center every other Tuesday for lunch. We're at the Wells Fargo Center, 1700 Sherman Street, every other Thursday for lunch. Aurora Marketplace, we're there every other Wednesday. And then as far as breweries go, we're at Lone Tree Brewing or Living the Dream Brewing in Highlands Ranch and Lone Tree, alternating Tuesdays, as well as 105 West Brewing in Castle Rock every other Monday. And Jackass Hill Brewing on Main Street and Pierce in downtown Littleton were there every other Sunday until May, at which point we'll switch till Wednesdays and be every other Wednesday through October. But that's about as, as breweries go or regularity goes, the most regular we are. So just to repeat that, that was Jackass Hill, Living the Dream. Lone Tree Brewing. Lone Tree. 105 West Brewing in Castle Rock. And 105 West Brewing. That's awesome. Because I think sometimes, you know, if you're literally at a set point, that's great. And all the special events, you know, if people go to those events, I mean, lots of food trucks tend to go to the big ones, right? Like that you were mentioning some of the big special events. Um, Because don't they bring out like 10, 15, 20 trucks, depending on the size of those big city events? Yeah, they do. Um, You know, uh, Food Truck Carnival, I think will have 30 some trucks a day. Um, that's May 9, 10, 11, or whatever that weekend is, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so that one is probably the most food trucks I have, I've ever seen in one location. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot, some trucks go, a lot of them, a lot of times you'll see similar trucks. If you've seen them at a big event up North, you'll see them down South because, you know, different, different trucks have different styles, whether they appeal to, you know, being able to serve and meet a, a faster demand, whereas other ones, you know, they ha- might have 15-minute wait times. And so those ones don't necessarily do as well at a city event when, you know, they just can't serve as fast. Right. Makes sense. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the future and goals that you have set and things you want to do. Um, we also like to ask people about their past. Like if you could go back and talk to younger you, what are some of the life lessons you've learned in terms of owning your own business and maybe things you would have done differently or 
um, even going forward that you're like, oh, note to self, don't do that again? What are some of those life lessons? Uh, the biggest one would be the quality of the food. Um, you spend more money to get better quality. You'll see people a lot more often um, because you don't get a ch- second chance at a first impression. So when we first started, uh, we didn't have the greatest quality. You know, I, I bought the cheapest bacon, the cheapest chicken. Um, we actually used frozen chicken when we first started. Um, but going back to take the extra time to you know season it, brine it, grill it, um, that's made a huge difference. So um, don't skimp on the little things because every little piece you skimp adds up to the end result more. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, make myself realize, you know, it's a lot bigger commitment than I had originally thought. Um, so, you know, be open to the sacrifices cause they're coming regardless and you might as well just accept them from the start. So those are the two biggest things is just, you know, realizing the time commitment and, and don't cheat your ingredients cause uh, people notice and people talk more so than any advertising can do. Um, that was my biggest change. I think that's some great advice. And uh, you also mentioned uh, that's your best advertising. But also, I mean, what do you do in terms of marketing? We talked a little about about the Mac Tracker so people can actually find you. But, you know, do you actually go about doing your own marketing? Or, I mean, I know you have social media going. but Or do you rely on the events themselves to kind of market the fact that you're going to be there and your efforts are spent more on getting those events? Like, what's, how do you figure out what your marketing strategy is as a food truck? So I, I market on Facebook. Um, I, I promote ads at least once a week usually, um, different you know things I'm doing or events I'm doing. I don't really promote to the big events because you know I pay to be there, so I feel like you know people are coming because the city's promoting the event. Um, I, when I work with schools, a lot of the schools, I'm like, hey, you know here's my flyer. Um, send this out for me. And so, you know, it's like, I'll come, I don't charge you a minimum, I don't charge a guarantee, but I expect you to tell everyone I'm going to be there and put it in your flyers and let everyone know and remind them that I'll be there. So I kind of, you know, with those events, I rely a lot on on them to do it, um, and that's worked so far. Uh, We are having another event we're doing, we're doing the Mac and Cheese 5K coming up, and so with that, we've created posters, and we've actually gone into most of the running stores in town, and we have a flyer hanging there, a poster hanging there, um, and then we also because we're hosting it and it's our event, we got a professional flyer laminated, printed, and we actually tape it to the truck every time we, we go out. And so everyone who sees the truck will also see that event. Um, and so those are kind of the few ways I market is, is through Facebook. And um, I also think being at those big events, you know, that's a lot of exposure itself. Um, like Taste of Colorado, for example, you know, as a food vendor, we don't actually make a lot of money. Um, but you're in front of thousands of people a time and that's a lot of opportunity for people to see you and you know you get other options outside of those events aside from money like the marketing the advertising um, that you know you might not make or pay for right the whole cost benefit of you know is it worth being here type of a thing but the fact that you get seen by so many and the advertising that being there and letting people taste your food while it might not be profitable it's relatively inexpensive advertising correct yeah no great i love that that's that's the same with the food truck you don't need billboards for your restaurant because you are the billboard (laughs) and you're the one driving around and everyone sees you like what deborah said uh before we got have another day we saw you driving with santa fe wasn't it yeah Santa Fe and Mineral. We yeah. saw you drive by. Like, oh, <laughs> we were like, oh, he's going to be on the show. Woo! We're all <laughs> celebrating. We're like having a car party. But um, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you had mentioned um, your girlfriend and how she works, but also joins you at Friday nights uh, on the food truck. So how do you manage your relationship with working seven days a week in the food truck and, and always and being an entrepreneur in the 80 hours a week, how do you make sure that you, um, have time for your relationship? Um, I probably don't put as much time into it as I should, if I'm completely honest. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is just being upfront. I, you know, I tell her, Hey, you know, this is, you know, what I'm doing. I don't have a 40 hour day a week job. You know, I don't have Friday nights off. I don't have Saturday nights off, you know, you might, but for me, you know, I have to be in this truck because I'm trying to build something bigger than myself right now. Um, and so, you know, she's amazing and she'll come into the food truck and while she thinks she's messing up, um, it's kind of just fun to have her, have her in there, you know, someone that supports you, you know, and, and realizes, you know, there's not a lot of vacations. There's not, you know, going to all these expensive places because, 
um, you know, with, with owning your own business, your next paycheck's never guaranteed. Like if I had a normal job, so, you know, it's always, you know, let's go do this, but let's not go for three days because it's just going to be a short driving back, um, you know, on, on the few days off. And then in the summer, you know, take advantage of the winter cause that's my slow time. And, but in the summer, you know, I'm back to 80 hours a week. And so the fact that she's willing to spend time in the truck and kind of make that our hangout time, you know, that helps a lot. So it's more the sacrifices she's willing to make to help me get where I want to be. That makes a big difference. Well, she obviously cares a lot about you and is investing in your dreams. You've painted a picture. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is a really great model. Like what you've come up with is really smart. I mean, not only are you like, okay, I'll have one truck, then I'll have two trucks and I have money for a restaurant. And then to have a restaurant that accompanies a truck, I mean, you can see how you can multiply it and not really ever put yourself too far into debt doing it. And, uh, I mean, it's a really smart thing. I can see great success for you. So, and you've got the drive. I mean, I, that I literally, it. And, uh, <laughs> it, it also helps that she did meet me in the food truck. So oh, yeah. she no, did. there's no hidden secrets. Here. Yeah. yeah. So she knew what she was truck. getting into. Oh, that's hysterical. Yep. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I noticed Deborah's pat on the back, the supporting of the dream and, 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 uh, cause I know Deborah's supporting my dream right now with doing the podcast. So as a, <laughs> Here I am. as a significant other, and actually she's stealing the show. I'm worried sometimes, you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding. But I think that what we've, what we hear a lot on this show is in the food and beverage and nutrition, uh, entrepreneurs that we have on the show, the time we get to spend with our families. I know I did it growing up. I know. Deborah's done it growing up and and we hear a lot of people on the show is that a lot of the family quality time is running the business and it becomes less business feeling and more fun feeling when you're all doing it together and that's not without its up and downs it just means the ups and downs the ups are better and the downs aren't quite as hard I think when you have family with you and you're getting to spend that time with your family and the dynamic that's there, I, Deborah and I talk about this a lot, is that you learn how to communicate and deal with problems in a different way uh, in your relationship and in your families and, and with kids because you're dealing with them in life and running a business. So, um, you know, I think huge props to that and huge props for involving her and, and allowing her to be a part of it because I think that's a huge step. You know, from my experience in the food entrepreneurs we deal with in our business at Food Service Partners, we see the, the businesses that really succeed have the family investment as well and the couple invested and and even the children as they come along invested as well for sure. And so I love that. I really just want to touch on that for the audience for sure. Um, you know, because it is a family thing because it is 80 hours a week and it is time sacrificed during summers or busy times or, or holidays or whatever that normally don't happen. Um, and so let, we'll sort of switch topics here a little bit and, um, and off of the family thing. And I, you know, I wanted to talk about, are there other concepts you have in mind? Cause we talked a little bit about you're going to keep doing the Mac and cheese and, and do the restaurants and, it's obviously great to stick with one concept, but are there other things you're thinking about or ideas you've seen that you, you have in mind just out of curiosity as an entrepreneur? I know your mind's probably always going, so. Yeah, I mean, one, you know, other food concepts, I thought, you know, walking tacos, you know, having a walking taco truck called the walking taco. Um, you can do a lot with that. It's kind of a different take on the street taco that people in Denver don't really do. But back in Iowa at the baseball games and the soccer games, you know, it's a lot less mess. You get a Doritos bag, you put the meat, chips, cheese, everything in there. Um, and I really like that. I thought that would be a kind of a cool, you know, more family friendly, friendly truck. Wait, I'm not, I don't know what a walking taco is. So a walking taco is <laughs> if you get a Doritos bag, like one, two ounce bag, right. um, hand size one, and you crunch up the chips, take uh-huh. scissors, open up the bag. Then you just kind of scoop the meat, uh, the, everything into the bag. And the taco itself is, you know, held together by the Doritos bag. Um, but you got the chips and, <laughs> loves it. and everything. Awesome. And I, and I always thought that'd be cool. And you give them a fork? Yeah, yep. You give them a fork. You top it with uh, sour cream, the salsa. That's um, so great. It's amazing. You can do it with, you know, so many different chips. You could do it with Cooler Ranch Doritos. You could do it with cheddar or nacho cheese Doritos. You could do it with... What about Cheetos? You could do Cheetos. You could also do Fritos. Cheetos. Oh, Fritos. Um, you could do chili. That'd be exactly. delicious. Exactly. I think you just recruited another partner for a, a third food <laughs> know, truck like, right wait, here. I when she gets that interested, her business, the entrepreneur comes out right here, so... 
And so uh, that was one. And the other one is Mile High Fry Guy, just a concept built on French fries, chicken wings, um, stuff like that. And um, but I, you know, the biggest one is uh, we're currently working on is Mac and Cheese 5K. And so it's a it's a 5K kind of like you know it's going to be more so than the color run, but also a mix of uh, the Colfax Marathon. We're going to have a competitive um, field as well and try and get you know you know, what the Boulder Boulder has with competitive runners all showing up as well as the mac and cheese for the fun. You know, we got everything from free mac and cheese and mac and cheese graphic socks to everyone who runs to a $5,000 cash prize for the people who win. Uh, when's so, the date of that again? That's going to be November 17th at 10 a.m. at Washington Park in Denver. And this whole thing is your baby? My baby. Um, that one. This one's kind of like, you know, uh, tag team with a girlfriend because we're mm-hmm. both runners. Um, and that's so, what was the next question. You know, she, uh, she loves running, um, and she's actually running the Boston Marathon, and we thought, you know, what is the way we can evolve it together? Um, and so we came up with a mac and cheese 5K. So tell, I mean, obviously it's a 5K, so there's a run. And so then is there, like, an event surrounding it? Like, afterwards, is there going to be music? Is there, obviously, there's food trucks. Is yeah, it we'll food have, trucks? Or, well, yes, I'll have, truck. it'll just be my trucks right now, uh-huh. um, unless it gets big enough that I have to bring in other trucks to serve my mac and cheese that possibly on the table right now. Um, but we'll have, you know, free mac and cheese with fried mac and cheese to everyone who runs. We'll have, you know, water bottles and, and drinks at the finish line, not alcoholic because I don't have that permit with the city of Denver. Uh, but we'll also have, you know, DJs and music going. And um, we have a, uh, a costume contest for the cheesiest runner. So <laughs> I'm not going to say what their prize is, but it, you oh, know, whoever dresses up in the most cheese, uh, they'll get one. And uh, we'll have a little kid's mac and cheese sprint um and then you know kind of do some other things along the course that are still up in development trying to figure out how to do it the correct way i love that you've given yourself so much runway on it because a lot of people come up with an idea and jump right in and then the event crashes because you know they don't give themselves enough time we just actually watched the fire festival documentary and that disaster that happened well i think some of it was personalities and partnership and the other part was trying to rush an event in too small of a period of time but i really like what you're doing i think deborah and i will start training to run a 5k here soon we're, <laughs> training, we're, we're more crossfit athletes we like short <laughs> workouts with, with a varying movement because we get bored easily it's but. what 5k half hour uh yeah you know Ish. you should be able to do it in a half hour and I mean, anyone who, you know, you can always walk it. You don't have to run it. Right. Half the fun is just being there around everybody else and seeing what crazy stuff is going to happen right. um, and what's going on along the course, you know, whether that's live music or whatever we end up deciding to do. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make it fun for everyone um, and, and just kind of, you know, create the best of every road race or event we've done because being in the food truck we see a lot of events and, I, you know, I see a lot of them, why they go wrong, and I think, okay, well, we can do that. Um, and we'll watch that one. So kind of trying to think it all out, you know, and give ourselves a lot of time to, to make it happen. I, I think we're probably going to run it. What do you think? I think we should do it. I think we should do it, too. We're going to have to start. I'm not walking, though. Okay, we'll like run. We're, we're going to have to run it. Challenge <laughs> accepted. The best so. part is the faster you run, the faster you eat. Uh, there you so. go. And, and there she's going to want to run away with me because I'm going for the cheesiest costume uh, contest <laughs> also. <laughs> he will. She, 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 <laughs> so I, now I'm excited. I got, and I got time to plan. This is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, So that's amazing. So how are you recruiting for that? Or is it just something that's starting to get a life on its own? Are people taking interest and... You know, I definitely will push it through our social media outlets and and do that as part of the podcast to to help out. But how do you go about recruiting runners and and, and volunteers and volunteers to run the whole thing? Yeah, so I mean, we're we're doing a lot of different outlets right now. Um, so I posted in a Facebook group in Littleton, and I was looking for charities. And so we have different charities lined up. We've got about 10 of them right now. And those charities, you know, reach out to their groups and they get their people to register. And I give the charities a registration code. And everyone that registers to that charity, we're actually going to write back 10% of the entrance fees to them. And so that's one way is, you know, utilize, you know having charities reach out. And it's a fundraiser for them as well. Um, one of the elementary schools we go to, Mammoth Heights Elementary and Parker, will actually have a registration booth there and everyone that registers through the school that night, we're going to write them a check for 10% of all the registration fees. Um, so kind of utilizing my food truck contacts um, as well with a poster on the food truck. And then we're partnering with a boulder running company, Cherry Creek, and we're going to host, you know, 
Thursday night, or we'll meet, we're actually meeting with them today to pick dates, you know, some Thursday nights throughout the summer, once a month or so, to be like mac and cheese 5K run. Um, and so, you know, that night we'll be, I'll bring the truck down to Boulder Running Company, Cherry Creek, and we'll have a computer to register people, but we'll also be having mac and cheese out there, and we'll have a group run. Um, and so, you know, partnering with the local running store and, you know, one who's, they're built in Colorado, so uh, working with them as well to kind of reach different audiences. I love it. It sounds like a and great so, uh, Can you say what some of those charities are? Because I want to make sure that we, if it's okay, we give them shout-outs when we do the social media and stuff like that And, and since they're supporting you. Yeah. Um, we Some of them right now, Foster Source. Um, it was my, my old boss started it. They work with foster families and helping families do that. Um, there is a Bree Project, and it's a child suicide awareness group. We have the Littleton Little Pantry. Um, it's like a free pantry for different groups. We have a, I'm blanking on names, a horse charity group um, about, you know, who use horses to help people cope with different things. Uh, we have talked to like Socket to them, uh, which donates socks to the homeless and different people, you know, so they can stay warm, which works great because if we have extra socks at the end of the race, because oh, that's perfect. part of our project. We're just going to give it to them. Um, and they're all, they're all listed under charity partners on macandcheese5k.com. And so there's a list of seven or eight of them, Poppy's Angels Co. Um, and I think the coolest part about it is getting the opportunity to meet charities who, you know, aren't widely renowned like the Leukemia and Lymphocyte Society or the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. You know, these are a lot of people who come from my background, you know, being the small guy and they don't get those opportunities because, you know, like Channel 9 Cares, I heard, unless you raise $50,000 a year on average, you can't be a part of it. So, you know, I get to work with a bunch of people who have that passion and the drive, but they might not have the name that other people have. So they want to help themselves too. Yeah, and we'll, I'll make sure I mention them in the special mentions on the podcast, all, all, everyone you mention. I think that's awesome, and I, I, it's a really good cause, so we will make sure we're supporting it and pushing it in our community as well. Um, and Go ahead. Well, I had a question, um, and this is going off topic a little bit, but one of the things that I find really intriguing is when we talk with other entrepreneurs about how they work with other businesses. And we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast about how um, at your commissary, you guys kind of share news about where you're doing events and whatnot. But I was wondering, do you ever do marketing with them or put some of their products in your truck when you're at events to help them market or vice versa, or, you know, are there ways that you work with other companies, um, to help build each other's brands? Uh, yes, a little bit, you know, like on Facebook co-host events with the breweries. Um, so then you get both of our followers and their followers to see it. Um, you know, and just, you know, some of the breweries have let me put up the Mac and cheese 5k poster in there their uh their establishments but then i also have a lot of their stickers attached to my window um, where people order so then you'll see you know living the dream you'll see 105 you'll see a a new food truck follow startup called truckster um their stickers on there you'll see um just different groups like that like if they have a sticker i'm more than happy to put it on the truck and it gets them visibility because it's right next to my service window so you know people have to see it um, and they'll comment like oh i love that place or you know i love that place um, and then, uh, you know, as, as far as putting other food trucks on the, on the menu, I don't necessarily, you know, put them front and forward, but if I can't do an event or I, you know, they're, I'm the first one they contact and they're like, Hey, you know, what other trucks do you know? Uh, I, I recommend a lot of different food trucks and, and tell them, you know, they're like, Oh, we got this person. It's like, Oh, I can't be there, but they're fantastic. And, you know, they're going to do a really good job for you guys. So kind of just. More so, I you know I recommend other ones all the time to leads I can't do or ones that might want multiple trucks. Right, right. I always love the give back, and I mean obviously you're doing it with the 5K, and you know obviously the cross promotion that you're doing. Um, I guess even the places that are you're consistently at different bars and breweries and whatnot. That in that's an inherent partnership, right? Because you guys are helping each other, and so I always think it's cool when you see the companies coming together to help one another. It's definitely you know. No one gets it more than another entrepreneur, like what you're going through and being able to help each other. So it's definitely a cool concept, and I like it. Yeah, that's part of I mean, it's what we're trying to do on this show as well, is give back to people and, and food entrepreneurs and spread the story and, and help everyone out. So 
Um, God, I really do love the, I love the name as well. And the 5k, I think it's a, a brilliant concept around it. Um, and, uh, and we can talk more about it, uh, for sure. Uh, cause I think what we'll do is we'll probably do another episode with you be right before that, if you're willing to do it and, and help promote it again yeah, absolutely. and we'll focus on that event, because I think there's a whole episode we can actually talk about. And we can talk about your new truck and we can talk about your new truck. Yeah, so yeah. we can hear how that went and all of that. That's always fun. Yeah. We're always, you know, we always talk to people about, we want to do the repeat interviews because everyone always has all these ideas as entrepreneurs. So it's like, what's next? And everyone has different ideas. And so it's like, well, we want to know, like, did it happen? And, you know. Well, and I think people, uh, the audience are, are investing in the story and they like hearing the people's story. So we want to follow it, especially because, you know, it's not over just with a, you know, a 45 minute to an hour and a half podcast. You know, we want to see the people's journey and. And everyone that comes on the show's got dreams. I mean, no entrepreneur comes in here and has once said, I'm content with where I am and I'm not going to grow. I mean, I don't think <laughs> that that's like, possible. I want another product or I'm going to start growing my own crops. Or, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Some of the things we hear, we're like, oh my gosh, starting an apothecary and just yeah. on and on. That's really pretty cool hearing everyone's dreams. Yeah. And people growing in different avenues and opportunities. So... Um, you know, as we start to wrap up, I think one of the things, important questions we ask on the show is some of the hardships you've had and, and things you've had to learn. We talked a little bit about it before the podcast and what, you know, the generator being too cold to start and some of those stories that you've had that have, you know, at the time they look like hardships, but you know, you can tell the story now as part of your adventure. Yeah, well, I mean, my biggest one I always look at is when I first started, started too fast, started to branching out. We went to California for Cedar Fair Amusements. They own uh, Knott's Berry Farm, California's Great America, uh, the one in Minneapolis, um, Cedar Fair, Cedar Point, and uh, Cedar Fair, Ohio. Um, and we got an opportunity to go out there, and we went into, took over uh, their Camp Snoopy restaurant, and we made it a mac and noodles. And it was a heck of an experience, but, you know, two different states for someone who doesn't know what they're doing four months into the business was too much, too fast, too far. Um, and I actually ran, rang up about, you know, thirty-five, forty thousand $40,000 in credit card debt through the expense. And so, you know, <laughs> aside from just having a new business, now I got $40,000 in credit card interest at, you know, 20%. Yikes. Um, you know, it was, it was nerve-wracking then, but I look back and, I learned a, a whole lot from that that I, you know, was years of information all packed into eight weeks. Um, and then we did an event. That in eight weeks. We, oh, my God. <laughs> we did an uh, event down in the Springs last year, and just there's eight trucks from Denver, and um, we all, you know, paid to be there and show up, and it's not what they told us it was going to be. And um, I re- relate it to the Firefest, um, just Colorado Springs style. Um, and so... Those are some of the bigger experiences where, you know, cost an arm and a leg, but, you know, it didn't kill us. So um, we got lucky with them. You know, I wanted to ask you, too, um, and this is me just totally projecting, but it seems like one of the hardest parts of uh, having a food truck would be that you're not just making food, but you're having to deal with a vehicle and, like, the constant maintenance and it's not like everyone can work on a food truck it's a special mechanic and you can't have someone work on it you can't give up the time to take it into the shop to let them have it for several days because that's how you make money so i mean how do you manage all that have you learned how to work on it yourself or like what are what how do you deal with that i i've learned a lot myself as far as like the engine and anything under it goes i don't do that Uh, we work with two great shops golden triangle auto care and then um uh, I'm blanking on the other one in Littleton, um, but it's a family organization, and they kind of push push us to the front. You know, uh, that that is a hard part because what people don't realize when I make a commitment to them, when the truck goes down and the truck doesn't drive and the fuel pump's gone out for the fifth time in two weeks, or you know that was a one mechanic I'll never work with again, or the engine's been blown three times, um, you learn, you know, trust different shops, um, and so like Golden Triangle is great, and uh, the one in Littleton is fantastic. But then uh, it's, it's better to work with other small business owners as far as shops go because they understand my pain. They understand my process. Like, you know, it's July. It's our busiest time. We're out for two weeks. You know, there was a major dealership on South Broadway in, um, in Inglewood, and they told me 
you know, it's going to be $7,000 or 10,000 or something. And I'm going to be out of business for four weeks in the middle of July last year. And then, um, you know, that's not going to work. That wasn't going to work at all. But I went to the shop in Littleton who I I wish I remember their name. Um, but you know, in one week they sourced the part, found it from across the country, brought it in. And, uh, the owner stayed until nine 30 on Friday night, putting it in and then I picked it up. So, um, you know, it's, small businesses have, have been have saved me and they also did it cheaper than the major dealership on south broadway right yeah i and i want to touch upon some because we talked about it again the and at backcountry crossfit last friday you ended up doing an event with them for the 19.1 crossfit um open and you had mentioned that it was like a last minute thing and, and you jumped right on it tell us a little bit about that because i think that's I, I know it's an opportunity for you, but I, I think it's awesome how within a few days you jumped on that opportunity to help out. Yeah, so a friend we have owns the food truck Revenge of the Pork, and I met him at Taste of Colorado. Um, you know, one of those connections that mean more than the sales at Taste of Colorado. And so uh, his water pump had burst in the freezing temperatures in Denver, and so they couldn't go out, and it wasn't going to be fixed in time. So, you know, I saw he needed a sub, and you know, while it's an opportunity for me, it also doesn't, you know, he's not leaving anyone high and dry. And so I can kind of make, you know, help him not be as bad because now the event's out of luck, you know, has no food truck. Um, and so, you know, I would have liked my Friday night off, but, you know, helping him and, you know, it was profitable for us too. So it, you know, it all worked out and um, kind of just, you know, And some him. good karma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the universe pays yeah. you back for right. sure. For sure. And so, David, I just want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, I can't tell you how much I love learning the experience, and I can't wait to have you back on, and i got to start training for the 5K. But as we start <laughs> to wrap up, can you just tell everyone again how they can find you and, and where you guys are located and some of your, your uh, routine spots? Again, I know we talked about it once, but I think it's great if we could just mention it all again so the audience can and hear it. And your social media. And your social media. Yeah, so uh, the best way to find us is through our website, www.macandnoodles.com. That's two N's, two O's, D-L-E-S.com. Um, we have the Mac Tracker, and it has our whole calendar light out there. So you can see everywhere we're going to be for the next three months date, time, location, and we stick pretty strong to it. Otherwise, you can call us, and I answer the phone pretty fast, um, and I can tell you, you know, if you tell me, hey, we're not going to be there till 8.05, will you stay open? We always say yes. Um, just don't show up and not call and risk that. Just give us a phone call. Um, but we also have an Instagram. We post a lot of pictures, say where we're at, uh, Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Mac and Noodles. And uh, through those avenues, you know, that's really the best way to find us. But the website is the one that I can guarantee is accurate. And um, one last question as uh, just came to mind. When are your, when's your expectation to launch the second food truck? So I, I currently have it right now. Uh, it should be wrapped probably by Tuesday. So I would bet we have it by March 1st. No, March 5th or so. March 5th or so. About seven days from now I should have it. Oh, wow. Well. And ready to go. Right around the corner. We'll have it at Cimarron Middle School on, yeah. on May, March 8th. Yeah, so that, uh, so. just so the audience knows, but when this podcast release, that truck will be out and on the road and ready to go. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and, I, and I look forward to promoting it. I'll make sure we, we mention it in our social media. And thank you again. Um, thank you, Deborah, for always joining me on the podcast. And thank you again, David. I, this was awesome. I, I love this podcast. And I look forward to having you on again when we talk about the Mac and Cheese 5K because that's going to be awesome. I'm planning my costume. It's like I can hardly concentrate right now. I'm thinking so much about it. Just don't show up in a craft box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I think there's probably a couple people that might do that. And I'll have to get pretty clever. Um, but thank you again. Um, I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm, I'm the host of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs podcast. Uh, you can reach me at justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O at gmail.com. Uh, please reach out if you want to be on the show. Please share the show and, and tell everyone about it. Please spread the mac and noodles love. And uh, please spread the love about their 5K. Please share it because I think it's hugely important that 
people are out there doing events and doing things and, and using their food entrepreneurial experience to, to help their communities and be a part of it. And David is doing that with his business and, and spending his time and his girlfriend spending her time to to benefit nonprofits and benefit their community. So please uh, send them love and, and share love for them over Facebook and Instagram. And I will make sure all of that's can, um, content and uh, communication materials in the podcast notes. So anyone who wants to look at it, please look at the notes. It is in there. And thank you again and have a great day.